Welcome back, friends. Welcome back. It's time for another episode. A it movie. Is, yeah, a movie episode. This was our sci-fi week because last week was horror. And so this is sci-fi, which means next week will be fantasy. Fantasy, horror, sci-fi. In that order. You can kind of think of it as VHS if the V was an F. FHS. Fantasy, horror, sci-fi. This was our sci-fi week, and we chose to watch Vesper, which is one of the newest movies we have reviewed. I think it's 2022. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I saw it on a list of, like, surprise Surprisingly good movies on Netflix that you probably haven't seen. Yeah, we Google it a lot, so we get a lot of those lists. Yeah. Hey, top 10 sci-fi movies you totally forgot about. Oh, wow, that's totally up my alley. Um, yeah, so we have a lot to say about this movie, so we'll just go ahead and get into it. Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm about to get yelled at for an hour. <laughs> but what's your name, though? <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They call me... And this is the Strange and Beautiful Book Club. unfair i'm not yelling at you i'm yelling at the director the screenwriter the choreographer a lot of things but you're looking at me while you're doing it well because it helps you when i make eye contact not because i am directing these this commentary at you i love you honey mm-hmm. not yelling that's at why you. i'm still here <laughs> okay so i think we should start with the good i think we should start with the good this movie is really beautiful Atmosphere-wise, they created a very consistent, very beautiful, very dystopian, but alluring atmosphere. Yeah, I love the world building. Yeah. We created a, this is a post-apocalyptic world, but not our post-apocalyptic world. This is not Last of Us, where this is 20 years after 2003. Right, this is post-genetic mastery. It's been a few hundred years, and... The genetic mastery wasn't as good as they thought. It went out of control and the world's gone to shit. (laughs) And yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's very much all of our technology became bacterial, fungal. Um, We moved away from metal, no circuit boards, no machine pieces, no broken down robots, none of that. This is all very like the inside of the drone that floats around with her, who we will heretofore called Wilson is like membranes, um, like bacterial or fungal membranes, almost fleshy, if I had to put a word to it. It reminds me of this book I read called uh, Children of Time by Adrian Tchaikovsky, where there's a planet of sentient spiders, and they develop a lot of really advanced technology, but it's all biologically based. And so in this movie, all oh, they're of their little tools, ants, aren't they? They're like little ants. And that's stuff. part of it, yeah. but they have other things. 
like they they breed plants and whatever. But it's a whole and a whole ecosystem of technologies. Rachel's taking a picture. I'm of sorry, Pippin is just staring at me over my microphone. I'm trying to capture this moment. I'm trying to have a serious conversation, and the cat is just like eyeing me. Yeah, so yes. it's like all of the the basic tooling and resources that you have. You don't have a solar panel. Yeah. You have a bacteria based power generator. Yeah, not wiring mycelium. Not circuit boards, bacteria. It's a very consistently created organic technology post-apocalyptic world. Right. The aesthetic and the way people interact with the world are all very consistent. And we've created a world that is full of alien things. So full of breathing trees, glowing mushrooms, antagonistic bugs that act like bullets it's a both beautiful but more deadly world and we create these characters who live inside of it and have carved out a world inside of it and scraped out a living and this is very much the future that monsanto wants for us which is the vast majority of life on earth has been wiped out by our bacteria technology we attempted to save the earth with technology and what we did was uh end it and the people that still are alive and thrive live in sheltered cities called citadels. And everyone else lives outside the cities and scrapes out a living as best they can. And they can buy seeds from the citadels, but those seeds are locked so that they only create one harvest. Right. So you can buy seeds, but you have to go back and buy seeds again. Right. The plants don't flower. And they pay with blood. Literally children's blood. Children's blood. So our speculation is that the the citadels have all of this technology. They can literally create anything they can imagine, genetically, whatever. The only thing they don't have as a renewable resource is young, real human blood. Well, if you have limited resource, you have a very calculated amount of resources per population. You can't allow free reproduction. Right. So if you have, you have to have a stagnant population, whether that means they all live forever or every time someone is born, someone else dies. Right. So this is a culture of scarcity top down. Yeah, Even, we, get, we get the sense that inside the Citadel, everyone lives for a long time, maybe Indefinitely, whatever. Uh, but it's a very stagnant society. Yeah. Doing a lot of top-down control on the masses out in the wilderness. Right. And she mentioned Vesper, who is our main character. She's 13-year-old genetic genius uh, who lives in the wilds with her father. And her father is um, sick. He's bedridden. A military veteran. He's a military veteran. So at some point there were wars, which kind of makes sense. That means that at a certain point there were enough people outside the Citadel that they could attack the Citadel. And he fought for the Citadel. And his only reward was this drone head. Right. He was paralyzed. Yeah. And we will call this drone head Wilson because it straight up looks like Wilson. We might as well just call it Wilson. Yeah. And it has a painted on red 
stripey face. The vast majority of the effects, except when necessary to create a specific um, atmosphere, are practical effects. So this drone, when possible, is an actual drone. It's actually... They just created this, the helmet-shaped shell yeah. around a regular old drone. Right. And I guess it was quite loud. So anytime that the actors needed to actually communicate with each other, they had to use CG. But otherwise, they use a drone when available. We're still on the good. Okay, we're still... I'm trying yep. to stay focused. We're still on the good. They had us in... They had us in the first half, Coach. I mean, they really did. I was sold, right? We have a beautiful entrance, a beautiful opening to this movie. There's this character who is completely veiled, and she is searching for food among the rotten fields. She's gleaning food. She's going yep. back and seeing what has been left behind and what she can get because they aren't part of the city of the main group of humans. And so they are outside the, the farm there's community. There's a town yeah. in the wilderness. There's always the, a town. In the wild, whatever. And But they, Vesper and her father, live outside of that. So yeah. they live outside of its control, but they also live outside of its protection and resource sharing. Right. And so at the very beginning, we go visit the, quote, old lab. And we realize that through a series of kind of we're not told, but we're shown that she is product. She is performing experiments on the organisms in the world around her to kind of try to figure out uh, how to make them better, how to improve life for everyone around her. And you know, when I read Psalm for the Wild Bill, you know, it was so fucking refreshing about that book. First of all, it's a great book. If you haven't read Psalm for the Wild Bill and you like anything related to sci-fi, go pick it up right now. If you don't like anything related to sci-fi, go pick it up right now. I don't care who you are. Just go get it. It's great. It's got LGBTQIA plus ad, whoever, all of you. I love you all. Representing everybody. It's got representation. It's got a good message. It is comforting to read. I am so fucking sick of the post-apocalyptic story in which one jackass dude ruins everybody's lives. I get it. It creates a lot of drama. It creates an easy storyline. And in some places, I'm okay with it. But I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. Okay, staying on the good. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm staying on okay, the good. Staying on the good. The leader of this town is yeah. Vesper's uncle Jonas. Great actor. He does an amazing job. He sells this character. This character is a believable um, antagonist. Yes. It is completely plausible for him to be as cruel as he is. Yes. Because resources are so tight. It is so hard to survive in this world, but yeah, production-wise, great yeah. movie. Sets-wise, great movie. Almost all filmed on location. At the end. That's basically it. Yeah, acting-wise, everybody's doing a great job. Even the guy who's bedridden and he can only look around. Right, you just hear his voice. Yeah, everybody's doing a great job. We meet a character from the Citadel, Camellia. She's doing a great job. Everyone is doing, everyone is selling this movie. The thing that is not selling this movie is our plot. Right. It, it's like they created all these great characters. Yes. And they let the characters just explore and play in this world. And then they were like, well, shit, 
I only have 45 minutes left to wrap up the plot. Uh, I need to take some shortcuts and right. generate some cheap conflict. Now, we were sold. We were totally in this. There is a part later in the movie where Vesper has to sneak into her uncle, Jonas's. So the guy who runs the town is her uncle because the man who is her pap, her father, um, who pilots Wilson, is her dad. And her brother runs the town. His brother runs the town. So that's her uncle. And she sneaks into his, her uncle's place to he try has to a, talk. like fence around his compound. Yeah, to try to his talk. Farm. To the citadel. He has a people farm because they they buy blood. So he has a child There's farm. There's lots of children. Yeah. I mean, he they are like a child gang. They're not like a farm in that they're chained to anything. Uh, but, but they it's are. It's also a farm because there's food there. Yeah. It's also a farm because there's food there. And because he is the one who gets the seeds to feed people. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to create a system where he's generating income, which is child blood selling it to the Citadel and getting seeds and keeping these children alive and then having more children and in turn being able to generate more blood and get more seeds, creating this growing self-growth system, this growth economy. Or at least minimally sustainable. Right, so that everyone can stay alive and to a certain extent thrive. And we're introduced early on to the idea of jugs, who are creatures, people, that are entirely constructed... They're Blade Runner replicants. Yeah, they are just entirely tube-grown humans. People. Bipedal humanoids. They don't consider them people. Because right, and they, don't, they usually don't look quite human. And they're not supposed to be intelligent. It's illegal to make an intelligent jug. This is relevant for later. But she sneaked... Anyway, back to the part where she sneaks onto her uncle's farm. And he captures her dad's drone head because her father can only communicate her with her through Wilson. And when she goes into the little building to try to figure out what's going on, he has the top off of Wilson and he has his hand inside and he's rummaging around in this like fleshy technology interior of this drone. And he pulls something out and Matt actually gasped. He was like, oh, no, <laughs> like, Oh no, her dad, broke him. her dad. And then up till this right, point and in this the movie, whole time as yeah. he's, as he's sabotaging the drone, he is convincingly uh, talking to Vesper, saying, oh, the gyroscope wasn't working right. I'm fixing it for you. Yeah, no problem. Because it's my brother. I'm going to, of course, I'll take care of you and my brother. Yeah. Weird thing. Some of my seeds disappeared. And Skinny, who was supposed to be watching them, said a bug took them. Isn't that weird? Do you think a bug would really take seeds? Hashtag she took the seeds. If I found a bug that stole my seeds, I'd rip its wings off. I'd pull off every one of its little legs. He is convincingly, terrifyingly, disgustingly self-serving. The entire movie. You, but be- you be- hate but him. But believably motivated for the good of his town. Yeah, you hate him. You do. Actually, he plays the same character in Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, and you hate him in that one, too. I don't know. Maybe it's his face. At this point, I'm not sure he could play a good character, and I'd believe it. <laughs> like, oh, no. You're shitty, and you're just hiding it really well. Because he's so good at these characters. I've exhausted my well of goodness. Can I go on to the part that I want to really talk about now? Okay. So, to summarize, the first, I don't know, 
three fifths of the movie. Yeah. Uh, she's scrounging around for materials. We find out she's genetic prodigy. She find she sees this drone, which these drones are cool. They're like Basically, the sky. They call them like sky flyers or something. They're like yeah. a created creature that can fly through the sky. Yeah, it's basically they're flying cars. Yeah, all technology. Except they make whale noises. Which is they, cool. They zoom through the sky. Grown te- grown technology? Fucking sign me up. We right, had so, then so she, far to go with this. Later on, she finds the wreckage of this ship. And you can see like pieces of it lying around and it's organic. Yeah. It was a living ship. And she finds this lady with a whole bunch of carnivorous fungus attached to her. But she's still alive. So Vesper rescues her, takes her home, cleans her up. She's like, hey, can you find my dad, Elias? They find Elias, but so does Jonas. Yeah, at Jonas the same kills time, Elias. Conveniently. Which, that's fine. I mean, plot-wise, that's fine. So then they don't tell Camellia. Camellia's still hanging out with them. Tension grows because she stole... Jonas's seeds and and is still pretending to look for Elias. Yeah. And Jonas is looking for the other passenger of the ship because he knows that two people ride in these. Because he fucking sniffed a scarf cars. and he was like, oh, somebody else was in this. Meanwhile, Vesper's dad is the only pragmatic one. Yeah. <laughs> At every situation, pragmatic he's like, fault, leave me the fuck behind. I'm dead anyway. Yeah. Go save yourselves. Seriously? The, Have a good life. My lung is in a jar over there. And you if can, the electricity goes out, I die. You can go, Vesper. You can go. I'm go- I've lived my life. I paid my price. You're 13. I'm sorry it had to be this way, but you can go. You can just go. Because Jonas knows where they live. Jonas is angry at them. Jonas knows there's another passenger, and Jonas has every reason to suspect that Vesper is harboring the second passenger. Right, because Vesper is one of the only people around that just runs everywhere around the wilderness. So if there was anybody that was going to just find, if there was anybody that was going to find the other passenger, it would be Vesper. Yeah. And her drone drone daddy. Your drone daddy. (laughs) Wilson. So the world that we set up... This world had so much potential. It's cool. It's cool. When we when we start the movie and we're in a field and there's these giant derelict metal things sticking up out of the ground, I'm in. Like my little no sci-fi heart. My little sci-fi heart are. is 100% in. Oh yeah, where are you going to take me? What where are we going? We've got it, these There's this, I think he's a Czech painter and he does these farmscape paintings but then he just puts these like robotic or alien monsters in them is he the guy who always has the really funny titles like pardon me but do you have a glass of milk and it's a giant monster sticking its hand up over the back of a mountain and stuff i think it might be yeah it might be someone different but like I've, i've seen um these guys paintings and that's what vesper looks like the setting sold Immediately sold. 100%. The setup sold. Great. It's the future. The world has ended. 
okay, fine. Let's go on this post-apocalyptic journey. I am with you. I don't want to be here. This kind of makes me uncomfortable, but I recognize this is the vast majority of sci-fi right now. So, okay, let's go. Let's do this. Grim, dark, post-apocalyptic, whatever. Grown technology, biology technology, futuristic world that has ended. Great. Sold. Let's do this. I'm here. Vesper, great character to start with. This is a world full of potential opportunities for great characters to have adventures in. And at first, Vesper, great character. She's smart. She's quick-witted. She's independent. She's resourceful. She's resourceful. Scrappy. I'm here for this. Even when she goes to the old lab and talks to the dead body, which we never get an explanation for, and then she goes back and we find that someone has come and sabotaged her generator, who could have done that? You'll wonder, except possibly Jonas. Right. But the only person she has to go to help go to for help is Jonas. And we meet a pilgrim. So we meet a woman or someone. And these costumes. Yeah. The costume designer was having a great time. All of the costumes are natural fibers. We've got clearly something that's like linen or cotton. The only one with synthetic looking clothes is the being who ends up being synthetic. Yeah. I mean, it's great. We set the tone so much with all of the visuals. But we meet this pilgrim, and they literally have a skirt that they can pull up, and the skirt becomes a hood-veil combo thing. Because there's this group of people called the pilgrims that just go out and gather scrap metal, and they all go to the same place. And nobody knows why, but they go and do it. And Vesper's mom went with them a year ago. Yeah. And she says maybe it's a virus or something, which this feels very cordyceps. You know the one where it will right, it's just, take over an ant's brain and it takes it to the end of a stalk right? so they can pick it off the top of the stalk. Right. And then there's the um, there's the one that's in cat, uh, cat poop, toxoplasmosis. Yeah. And it gets into mice and it makes mice attracted to cats. Yeah. And then the cats eat the mice and... The parasite matures, and it comes out in the cat poop and gets back into the mice later. Yeah, yeah, just like uh, in the northeastern United States where you have that snail or the slug duck combination. Yeah, um, yeah this is classic. This is classic parasitic behavior, um, which is what she assumes it might be. Which we live in a world with all of these over-the-top biologic technologies, right? Artificial viruses, bacteria. I would have believed it. Everything. If this had ultimately been the citadels created a virus that infects humans out in the wild and encourages them to bring resources to the citadel, I would have bought that wholesale. That would have been fucking amazing. But right about the four-fifths mark. We just stopped thinking about new and interesting things and decided that the way that every single sci-fi movie with this setup ends is exactly how we need it to end. Okay, so and the that's critical fine. moment here was Jonas was getting real sus about Vesper. And so he knew Vesper and Drone Daddy were out doing something and he decided to go visit his brother. So he comes into the house and here's Camellia. Yeah. And, and since they haven't told Camellia shit about what's going on, Camellia doesn't know to hide from Jonas. Right. 
So she kind of talks her way out of Jonas killing his brother and abducting her. She, she does pretty well trying to take care of herself. Vesper comes in. Screaming? And to, instead of sneaking up and stabbing him yeah, in the back. screaming and flailing her knife at him. Like two times, they have a knife to his neck and they just let him live. They stab him in the hand and then they give him the knife back. I want to make a deal with you. No fucking deal. No deal. Deal or no deal? How about hashtag no deal? You son of a fucking bitch. He's just spent the last hour and a half doing everything but having Vesper sexually assaulted. Right. Yeah, he has her chased out of town and marked, branded. It is strongly implied. He steals it- her blood and refuses to give her what he said he would give her in exchange. He destroys her dad's, her, he sabotages her dad's drone. He has done nothing that would he's, indicate. He's done everything he can to indirectly ruin, like destroy her ability to survive in the way that she's been surviving. Because he needs her because to be a breeder. he wants her in his town so that she can do two things. Help keep the technology running because she's a technical genius and he doesn't have anybody else like that because they don't educate people in the town. Well, clearly know. he knows how to sabotage drones. So, And he needs females that can produce babies yeah. to bank blood to sell to the Citadel. For seeds. Right. And- but he's trying to be a little more discreet so that there's no direct evidence against him so he can gaslight Vesper into cooperating with him. Yeah. Um, We get to this point and we've threatened his life and we don't kill him because for good to be good, good must be dumb, which is my least favorite trope. The good to the exclusion of your own self-interest. This isn't even self-interest at this point. This man is actively trying to murder you and everyone that you love. It, and you live in a post-apocalyptic world where you don't have the option of calling someone else in to be the justice for you. Like we just talked about in our last Forever Night episode. There was a point in human history where you carried out all of your own justice. And then you create a system, a codified system that separates you so that you don't have to bear the moral weight of the decision of whether someone is guilty or not guilty. Well, that's all gone. I don't care how advanced the technology was before everything fell. It's every man for himself again. And this guy knows it. And he has carved out this community where he is king. And she refuses to become part of that community. And so he is doing everything that he can to wheel her into that community, which is the fucking plot of the last four post-apocalyptic sci-fi movies that I have watched. And I'm so tired of it. But she gets to this point where she has the chance to kill him, free everybody in the town, free all the children in the town, to whatever end. Or shit, just kill him and go to the Citadel. That's 
what she's wanted to do this whole time. Right. This is what she's trying to do. She, she has studied and learned so that she'll be accepted into the Citadel. She found this woman and saved her because she has the app. She could take her to the Citadel. And in the end, she unlocks the seeds and makes them fertile so she can take them to the Citadel, which I'm saying it right now doesn't make any sense because the Citadel is capable of creating anything genetically. They can create people. They can create animals. The citadels create the seeds. So why would seeds have any value to the citadel? Okay. The only value that the seeds have for her giving them to the citadel is to say, hey, I got skills. Yeah. And you need people with skills. I unlock Especially these. young people with skills. Yeah. I unlocked these and I could give them out to everybody out here and they'd never have to buy seeds from you again. Or you can let me in this door and probably kill me once I walk through the door. I don't know. Uh, you know what? She's supposed to be young and optimistic, but also jaded and a genius all at the same time. We put a lot on the shoulders of this character. Okay. Response to the... Uh, genius, but making stupid decisions. I know. The higher you Intel go on the IQ intelligence scale. Intelligence is a requirement for wisdom, but is not sufficient to be wise. You can be incredibly intelligent and not have the... Okay, so in cognitive science, the uh, one of the terms for wisdom is rationality, which is a systematic and reliable set of rules that systematically and reliably allow you to see through self-illusion. You can be extremely intelligent, but not rational. That's fair. And the more intelligent you are, the easier for it is, the easier it is for you to rationalize your decisions to yourself. So it's completely re plausible, understandable that she could be a technical prodigy, but not have enough wisdom and, you know, knowledge of how the world works and what is the best way to act in the world to achieve her goals. And so she makes stupid decisions. Yeah, she makes unwise decisions. Unwise decisions. Yeah. If in this moment when she tells Jonas she wants to make a deal and she presents him with these seeds that are fertile, he can plant these seeds, they can grow new plants, and then they can take those seeds and grow new plants. If she had presented him with these seeds and this character had accepted the opportunity that this was, to create a sustainable community that does not rely on the Citadel. This movie is a 10 out of 10. I am here for this movie because we have set up this character, this Jonas character, who ostensibly is willing to do whatever it takes to keep his community alive, whether that means killing people that have disobeyed him or trying to reign in this wild child who is running around in the forest and who, when she could be here helping the community with her skills, I would have believed that, and that would have been great. But, oh no, 
he has to go back to his transmitter and talk to the Citadel and tell them that he has the jug that they're looking for because the woman that she rescues is a genetically created person and she contains the code to unlock the seeds. Again, Which Vesper was able to make use of. Maybe if we had fleshed out more why, why the seeds were locked, whether this was a deliberate choice or whether they... Yes. It is a deliberate choice. So why so. did the Citadel need the... Don't they have the key? If you if you create a lock, someone has the key to lock it. And if the Citadels are the one making it, don't they all have the key? Unless they can only produce one-time-use seeds, and they don't know how to produce actual vital seeds. That would make sense. I mean, that then it makes sense. But otherwise... I guess most of the context that we get about the seeds is from the intro info dump yeah yes that's the only time we talk about the seeds is the my favorite thing in the world text at the beginning of a movie because not yes not it's it's i love it as much as i love a voiceover at the beginning of a movie unless it's lord of the rings that's different that's lord of the rings but yeah, that I think becomes the biggest question, which is why does the Citadel need it? I would believe it if you were creating this character to go out and create fertile seeds in the world. If you wanted to save the world by freeing the people. Because this is peak capitalism, right? This is right. the ultimate goal of capitalism. You have a ruling class that lives in luxury and does not struggle. And you have a captive market. That needs every resource that you produce. Yeah. And in order to sustain the ruling class's lifestyle. They literally pay in blood. You have to have a large population of people who are desperate desperate for resources and willing to trade anything for it. That's capitalism. That that is the, the end stage of the capitalism leverage over the market. Every scrap of resource you have to give up your life for. And that's what this movie is all about. And her unlocking the seeds is the key to flipping that system. But oh no, we just, we set this beautiful thing up. We put a plate out. We put all these beautiful things on this plate. And then when we finally get the chance to eat it, the chicken's overcooked. The green beans are canned, and the rest of it tastes like shit. (laughs) You're so fucking mad. Because Jonas realizes that this jug is there. We don't kill him for some inane reason. She tries to make a deal, and he just immediately shoots them. It torpedoes the whole process. And the Citadel shows up and kills Jonas. And most of the town. And most of the town. So he dies, except for like four people. So they all die anyway. So in a way, she kills the entire town. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then. And then the dad is like, Vesper, leave me. They are This entire movie. He says, get the fuck out of here and go have a life where you're not stuck taking care of me. Okay. That's a reasonable thing for this guy to want for his daughter. Yeah. He recognizes what she's good at. 
She's not running away. <laughs> she is the worst. Okay. Yeah. So There's this- a couple times she runs away because she's mad at her dad. She's good at that. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. But the Citadel shows up. We get kind of a... So they okay, so they infiltrate her home I with like this I like this slime mold yeah. thing. Okay. So slime mold is famous for non-intelligence maze solving. Yeah. In an efficient way. And so my impression here is they send the slime mold in. It covers all of the horizontal surface. And if it touches something, it would react and kind of set off a pulse or whatever, a signal Yeah. to let the it citadel know. It touches her cloak. Right, and then it evaporates. Yeah, so it's found her. So Boom. it sends back a now message. Now they know where she is. Once again, Vesper, get out of here. Leave right now. Yeah, you and Camellia are need coming. to go. No, I can't. I guess we're trying to go for, Kate referred to this as titch rules. So Titch from Krull, where you have this child who is older than, who acts older than they actually are because they live a life that has not allowed them to be a child. Who's Titch? Titch is the little boy who's taking care of the Emerald Seer. Okay, gotcha. So Kate referred to this as Titch rules. They're older than you think. But in this case, she doesn't feel that way. She feels like, a 13-year-old, which she's only been on her own for a year. She had her mother to help take care of right. her dad up until this point. And she doesn't want to leave him. And so he says, you know what? Okay, fine. Don't leave me then. Just go hide in the swamp. I'll lie to them. I know what to say to these people. They're I've not worked gonna, with them before. They're not going to hurt me. Everything's going to be fine. And when they leave, you can come back. And she goes, well, how about we hide you too? And he goes, yeah, I think that's a good idea. He's just... She's obviously not going to run. Right, so they pile stuff up around yeah. the door. She's obviously not going to run unless he lies to her. So he lies to her. So they Right, they, and he knows the only way that she's going to leave if he, is if he's dead. Yeah. So he tricks the soldiers into blowing up the entire house. Yeah. So that she will have no doubt that he's dead and she will have nothing left to stay for. She will be untethered from all of this baggage and responsibilities that she's had to have taking care of her dad in this house and she can go and have her life. Yeah, unfortunately. And that's what he's trying to give her. Yeah, unfortunately she fled all of 25 fucking feet away from the house and is crouched behind like a bush with Camellia when the Citadel shows up. The shock troops. Yeah, the shock troops or whatever. And so then they have to run. Well, they're only like 10 feet in front of the Citadel soldiers because they didn't go very far. This is the epitome of their running and the pursuers are walking and the pursuers are gaining on them. Yeah. And so they end up running through this grass. And it is extremely cheap conflict. This is... So... This is like a... It's not the least plausible chase scene I've ever seen. It's close. But it's close. I was yelling at the screen. Just yelling. And I knew at this point that I was going to need to (laughs) warn Rachel (laughs) to take breaths so that I could actually respond. (laughs) So I was so, we had such, we were. There's so much potential. We were, it was all going so well. And then they choked 
and they tried to make it marketable and they tried to make it match the couch and it just ruined the movie because they aren't far enough away to really get away. And they end up going through this grass. And when you brush this grass, these antagonistic insects hit you like bullets. And burn holes in you. And burn holes in you. So they take out one guy that way. And then the second guy is not really falling for it. But they end up getting him anyway through a series of events. And then Camellia realizes that they're not going to stop looking for her. They're going to find her. Don't they hear wolves howling? They hear wolves howling. And we had talked about wolves earlier because this is when we realized that everyone in the Citadel knows what animals are. Because even though animals are extinct, in the Citadel, they you can still do what have you them. want. You can make them. And so she realizes they're hunting her and they're going to find her. And they're hunting her. They're not hunting Vesper. And so she kisses Vesper and it makes her pass out, which we've established before that she right. has she can uh, like a tranquilizing um, ability. Yeah with her kiss and she leaves and she ends up getting captured and that's it. We and don't leads hear them anything. right to Vesper's secret lab. Yeah. She goes to their secret lab what and the waits, fuck? waits for them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Vesper wakes up and Vesper's like, Oh, I'm free. My dad obviously died because the house blew up. I have these seeds. I'm going to go to the Citadel. I'm going to live happily ever after. And she leaves. Nah, and go, I'm going to go home. Oh, actually, you know what? I think I'm going to go back to my burned out fucking house. To make sure my dad's like, for reals, he's dead or whatever. The smartest thing she does at this point is plant some seeds. Because at least if she gets captured. There's an insurance policy. There are some vital seeds in the wild. They will spread. Yeah. And maybe somebody will find them and they'll be able to have food for later. Hopefully. And the remaining five kids from the town find her. And they go on this pilgrimage. Literally. They follow so the pilgrims. She's headed to, for the citadel, but just, then they see a pilgrim. And I just she's realized like, ah. this is the second movie we've watched with the pilgrims, where the pilgrims were like a mysterious, outcast. mysterious outcast race. <laughs> Hashtag wing commander. Okay, so we follow the pilgrims to this little shanty town where there's this tower. And they're building the tower. They're building the tower. And... Vesper decides she needs to be on the top of the tower. Yeah, she's trying for to some find reason. herself. Maybe she's on the top of the tower. They've been know. building this tower. It's tall. They're still working on it. They have to get materials up to the top. There's a ramp or stairs or some kind of elevator or whatever. But Vesper decides to just climb the freaking wall. Well, when we pan back, there's not. It's just a tower. There might be some... Okay. We've abandoned to, reason at this point, okay? Yeah. We've just left it the fuck behind. We were like, nope, sorry, blew up with the house. We're not even worried about it. Somehow these people have been dragging I scrap metal. I need to metal. resolve all this plot conflict and embed some type of moral message into the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, and they've been dragging scrap metal to this tower. Scrap metal. This tower is made of wood and fabric. It is not made of scrap metal. Right. There's just piles of scrap metal all around. It's all around the clearing. Not being used. At the perimeter of the shanty town. And if you were hoping this was going to end with an explanation about the pilgrims, sorry, chief, that ain't going to fucking happen. We don't find anything about that either, except that they conveniently built a tower that... You can see the citadel. That Vesper can self-righteously climb, get to the top of, turn... 
see the citadel, turn her back on the citadel, and look down a river, euphemistically, and then toss the seeds into the air. To be fair, she doesn't toss them. She lets the wind take them from her. <laughs> Just... <laughs> I know that's bullshit. That ain't how seeds but work. But so is the end of this movie. That ain't how seeds work. I realize she doesn't live in a world where there's farming. But you gotta put that shit in the ground. No, no. No. She lives in a world where there's farming. They buy seeds. They plant seeds. They grow the plants. They harvest the plants. They eat them. And hey, wouldn't you know... People know how to farm. Wouldn't you know, conveniently, the jackass who ran the farm is dead. And all the equipment's just sitting there. And she could have taken those seeds over to his little hydroponic world grown as many of them as she wanted she could have gone to the the only thing they don't have experience in is harvesting and saving the seeds right for the next season i'm pretty sure if she can unlock the genetic code of the seeds, she she can can figure figure that out out. yeah she could have made it she has the gel that can unlock them so worst case scenario oh this batch of harvested seeds went bad Okay, I'll buy a couple more seeds from the Citadel. Ostensibly, the colony would have to keep buying some amount of seeds from the Citadel just to alleviate the Citadel's suspicions. Even if they had seeds that could that they could harvest seeds from later, they would be able to they would still kind of have to buy more seeds. Or the Citadel would get suspicious. Hmm. Let's go fly a drone over and see if all these people died or not. Oh, they're still alive? You think oh, the Citadel... they have a big farm? Oh, they didn't buy any seeds from us? Something fishy is going on here. Yeah. You'd think the Citadel would have at least left the majority of the people alive because no That's one... That's literally their market. No one is treating resources like they are finite in this world. Well... Look at the world now. The people in charge of our world now are not treating resources like they are finite. That's fair. But no one is. Even the people at the bottom, who by every right should be treating these resources like they are not renewable because they're fucking not. The only one who acts that way in any sense of the imagination is Jonas. And he still kills off a couple of his kids to prove the situation is serious. Instead of just... Locking them up and keeping a permanent IV on their arm for a blood drip. (laughs) That would have made a lot more sense. So in conclusion, I didn't love this movie. I loved the idea of where this movie wanted to go. I loved parts of this movie, but they just lost the plot. Right. I don't think, I think they were, were... They forced the moral ending that they wanted. Yeah, that's what it felt than like. Let the plot evolve into something, even if it's just like okay, maybe there's no moral here. Maybe it's just she survives. She unlocks the seeds. Boom. End of the movie. Yeah. Great. That's fine. We don't know anything about this world outside of direct experiences. But that's the great thing about fantasy worlds. 
is you don't need to know everything about the world. Yeah. You just get these glimpses of a world that works differently than yours. And it doesn't all have to be explained in terms that you understand from your world. Right. So the ending of the story it just has to be an ending of a story. It doesn't have to be a moral lesson, a heavy-handed moral lesson. Heavy-handed moral lesson. You know what this that felt like? That compromises the plot. You know what this felt like to me? A Korean movie. Oh, you need the happy ending at the end? No, no. The pacing was uh, yes. slow, which I'm fine with. I was fine I'm, with the... Yeah. We were both in it. You want me to, to consider every scene? Fine. I'm here with you. Let's think about this shit. I'm I'm on this ride. I'll take it. You but, got these glowy egg shaped things that you're dripping liquid in and there's tubes connected to it. Sure. Yeah. You okay, created great. this. You're interacting with it in a believable way. Sure. Yeah, uh, we've got this let's beautiful, go. consistent setting with these almost otherworldly alien post apocalyptic technologies that we're interacting with. <laughs> Fucking here for it. But often, often, but not always, Korean movies will lose the plot. We'll have this wonderful setup. We'll be going somewhere great. And then the, the wrap-up just isn't satisfactory. It just doesn't end up getting anywhere. And that's what this felt like. We didn't end up feeling like we got anywhere. We spent so long in the middle creating these beautiful, long, pensive thoughtful scenes and we knew we wanted to end with some kind of moral lesson and so we just shoehorned it the fuck in there good to go this movie made like fourteen thousand dollars worldwide i think it made less than a million dollars i couldn't find anything about the budget but it had to be pretty high i mean it's all filmed on location we got a couple actors i recognized we had some pretty substantial cg that looked really good um it did not make money. It's an independent movie. It's an art movie. Yeah. Somebody had something to say. They wanted to say it beautifully, and they really tried. But unlike Mandy. <laughs> <laughs> Mandy is in a class all its own. Okay, honey. so this movie, you know, the first 60 to 80% of it, we're in. Everything's great. You know, whatever vision the filmmaker had, they were going with it. And we were both there for it. And then somebody probably decided, oh, well, we need some actual plot wrap up. No, you fucking don't. No, you don't. You ruined it. You ruined it. Well, nah. I don't know. Maybe you could just, like City of Angels, you just say, eh, eh. cut the movie here. Yeah, cut instead. it when she unlocks the seeds and she's like, this one seed could change the world. And that's the end of the movie? Let it go. Dunzo. Yeah. It's a way better movie. Turn it off after Nicolas Cage boinks Meg Ryan. Dunzo. Great movie. What ending? I don't know. Moulin Rouge. Turn it off right when the curtain falls. Super. She had a wonderful show. Everybody loved it. She was adored. Boop. End of movie. Yep. That's what we need to do here. You know what I've realized about us as people? We do not like irrational characters. No, I've... <laughs> Give up the bullshit. <laughs> no, we just don't... We don't suffer the irrationality in characters. I will 
if it makes the plot better. Right. I will. Yes. But if you are using irrationality as a way to drive the plot forward, when you could have come up with something far more interesting and unique and new, because the whole rest of this movie was very imaginative, you clearly had the skills. You could have come up with something that was not this cheap, irrational conflict. Okay, so I'm I'm just kind of taking a couple steps back here. No, please do. I think the... The fact that Vesper was so attached to her father is fine. That's plausible. Yeah, absolutely. That, that makes sense. Yeah, she's right? 13. Absolutely, it does. Right. She's a... Th- okay. She lives in a cruel fucking world. And she's had to operate in this world as a pretty much autonomous agent. And her Uncle Jonas has only been a prime example of ruthless cruelty to for survival the moment when they have the knife on his neck and his hand stabbed to the table everything leading up to this moment for vesper's character she should have been able to stab him through the neck no qualms unless she didn't want to become him but she's not becoming him yeah this is where we get into right. our... The later on where she stays close to the house, even yeah. though she's being pursued, she goes back to the house after just because her dad was there. That is all fine for a 13-year-old girl yeah. in a scary world. But to not to do everything else to protect her father, but not kill this ruthless guy. The primary threat to her father. Right. Yeah. Especially after when she found out that Camellia was a jug, was a synthetic person, she was immediately cruel to her. She right. was but then she punched her. She, she made a deliberate down. decision that she was going to work together with Camellia. I think we're supposed to see her as someone who doesn't want to accept that cruelty is necessary. Which is extremely uh, valuable. And it's valuable, yes. Except we then create the situation where in order to be good, you have to make decisions that will ultimately harm you. Because she's trying to give her uncle the benefit of the doubt when she has absolutely no reason. But she's been giving him the benefit of the doubt this entire time. She has absolutely no reason to continue giving him the benefit of the doubt. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. Yeah. He has been actively working to harm her the entire movie. And that's why this moment, she doesn't kill him, but she offers him the opportunity with the seeds. I thought, oh, he's actually going to start working with her. That's where this movie is going. Great. I want to see what we do with this. I I wouldn't have mind seeing this character because this character is ultimately about survival. Not necessarily about cruelty. He's not a bad guy. Yeah, he's not necessarily about cruelty. He's about survival. He's doing everything that he knows how to do to provide for himself and his community. Yeah. In a sustainable, reliable way. Which is why I thought we were going to go with, he goes with her about the seeds. Right, because he, he up till this point, he's following his equation 
for how to how to survive in the world. Yeah. She reveals I can unlock these seeds. Entire dynamic shifts for him. Yeah. He need, I can understand. He okay, he goes back. He needs to think about it because he needs to reorganize how his world works now. Yeah. But then he calls the citadel. Yeah, but and then that he, doesn't make sense. No, and ultimately that's the decision that kills him. I'd say that's the two biggest two biggest problems with this movie. They're both character issues. Character inconsistencies. Yeah. Where Vesper couldn't kill him. And then after Vesper couldn't kill him, he went back and called the Citadel. Yeah. If you're okay with this plot line, with the cruel male community leader in a post-apocalyptic world, if that's one of the tropes that you really look for, this is a movie for you. It's well done. He's good. He's cruel. He's well acted. If this would if this is the kind of thing you enjoy, absolutely go for it. This isn't the kind of movie we love. We recognize that we are both very hypercritical about certain aspects of movies. Yeah. This isn't the we weren't gonna love this movie because this isn't the trope we like. We don't like this trope. We like yeah. we like a new trope. We like a new imaginative twist on things, or we like a generally cooperative community trope. We don't like this. We like the nature is the enemy or uh, our circumstances are the enemy. We like that. This isn't that. So I'm not saying this is a bad movie, but we didn't like it. You may. You probably gave this movie a chance. I hope you did because we just spoiled the shit out of it. Uh, But if you loved it and we don't, that's perfectly fine. Obviously, you know me. Everybody gets to love what they love. That's what makes the world go round. We didn't love it. And I am ready for something fluffy and fun because we did frailty and then we did Vesper. And what was our fantasy movie before that? Crawl. It was Crawl. Yeah. Oh, okay. You're crawl, like, we yeah, need that. something light. We need a lighthearted fantasy next. And I was like, we just did Crawl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then you put me through, fan- through frailty, which I love, but is dark hey, and brutal. Frailty was yours. Yeah. Which Vesper was mine. Vesper was Matt's choice. And we went through two dark, brutal movies back to back. I need some. I like dark, tragic stories. Yeah. But I like the plot to be. Uh, this wasn't your consistent. plot. Yeah, it's this fine. wasn't This plot. wasn't your trope. All right. It happens. Uh, I think it should have made more than $14,000 or $13,000 or whatever uh, it made. Just on the set. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It was really, it was pretty. And most of it was just filmed on location. The vast majority of this isn't CG, which is perfect. Right. It was it was all just enhanced slightly with CG. Yeah. So I think we'll just leave it at that. Um, I think it deserved more credit than it got, but we didn't love it. In summary. That's our TLDR for that. Yeah. So remember. Well, no, I gotta talk about the Instagram. Yeah. Honey, I'm trying to be on the ball here. Were, it felt like this was the time to ready. go. You were ready. And, and I really appreciate that about you. You were trying to read my cues. And I really <sighs> thank you for that. But we do have an Instagram. I'll just sit here. It's at Strange and Beautiful Book Club. I started the YouTube channel. 
And we may or may not have one one movie up there. I don't know yet. I think I uploaded it. I need to check. Independent sources need to verify that I did that correctly because I don't know if we've established this or not, but technological genius, I am not. So um, I'm working through the YouTube thing. But I think we're going to have a YouTube channel pretty soon. I thought I might just go through and upload all of our old episodes and then we'll catch up. As audio only. Yeah, as audio only. We still have our recommendation form. I'm going to figure out how to put a link up to that somewhere. But you know what? Follow me on Instagram and you'll learn all about it as soon as I figure it out. And I think that's pretty much it. We just wrapped up season one of Forever Night, so we're getting ready to start season two. I am stoked. So if you were thinking about getting into that Forever Night thing that we do, this is a good time because season two, you could skip all of season one. It's fine. Doesn't doesn't have anything to do with season two. You can hop in season one, season two, episode one. You'd be good to go. Uh, actually, I think you probably should do that. Fall in love with the show through season two. Then go back and watch season one and then watch season three. This is my recommended viewing order. You heard it here first. So now that I've said all that. Remember, sometimes the strangest things are the most beautiful too. So be who you are. And love what you love. Even this movie. You can even love this movie. Until next time, friends. Bye. Bye.